No Chuck Barris, no blind date. No Chuck Barris, no Britain's Got Talent. Okay, I, I realise that's not a, a great recommendation. Uh, so, let's just think. No Chuck Barris, no Gong Show. Yes, I remember the Gong Show when it was re-shown. Gong Show re-shown. In, uh, in the mid-80s. I remember when I was at college and watching that. It was just extraordinary. And I was... Whilst I understand that it was... I understood very early on. Even though some didn't, it seems. That it was a talent show for awful talent or lack of talent, um, or people who believe they did have talent, um, I was really interested in the host, because he was where all the chaos was centred. Anything was allowed. You know, he had a, a, a hat on that covered his eyes. He was doing a thing where he would be clapping, because that's a, a nervous thing he did. Hey, everybody, then he'd clap. And the audience started clapping and then he'd stop clapping and he'd be smiling at them and then they'd do it again and he'd be a bit angry at them. And I thought, this guy is... He's off the off the charts here. That was Chuck Barris. But he didn't just do that. Anybody who's seen the film of his book, Confessions of a Dangerous Mind, with Sam Rockwell, directed by George Clooney, will know this. But this is... Um, this is a little documentary that's really, really interesting. It's called My Life on the Edge. And early on, they get it over with. This big claim is made in his autobiography that he was, whilst he was working on The Dating Game, which is his first big success, he was a hitman, a paid assassin for the CIA. Okay, I'll just leave that there for a minute. Right, this goes through his life. Worked at a steel mill early on in blue collar. His parents wanted him to be in their clothing business, but he, he detested that. So he went to an NBC training programme for producers, but it was really difficult to get in there. So he just researched some names of the management at NBC Radio, put them all down as referees and got in. <laughs> you see, he made... He, he looked at things a little differently from the beginning. Now, the dating game, which really, I suppose, is um, it's like family fortunes. Um, it was his idea. It was a massive success. And then later on, they brought it back uh, in the evening and it got a bit naughtier. It was, uh, it was a huge success. It was, well, they were offering the, uh, the winners um, little jaunts to different parts of the world. That was when he alleges he went with them. Because, of course, certain producers of the show were interviewed here and are loving it. Also got to go, all expenses paid, on these trips as chaperones. He says he went as well and did the hits while he was there. One guy said, I saw him do about 300 hits. I'm sure that's <laughs> can't be the case, can it? Even, you know, even really huge assassins. Even the Jackal, Day of the Jackal. Even that assassin didn't do that many, surely. Anyway... The Gong Show was is the real reason why I'm interested in seeing Chuck Barris. They had an afternoon version and then an evening version, and they put they had a sort of um, they had somebody lined up who was a sort of afternoon TV star, but he was actually really interested in going around the country, going around America, and finding good talents. He didn't realise this is not about talent. This is about laughing at people. Or with people. This is about people who think they've got talent and they haven't. Yes, it's cruel. Understand that entirely. 
But when you've got guests like Archie Shaw and um, and uh, J.P. Morgan um, and Jamie Farr, they're kind of interested in the talent and involved in the talent. They have a different... Some of them are looking... No one's really looking down their nose. And that was something that uh, Chuck Barris would talk about. Hey, long of nose, with Jamie Farr. Um, they, they didn't look down at the talent. They, they would gong them off. That's not a euphemism. They would bang the gong to get them off, but that's not a euphemism either. But um, they were also involved in that. So much so that there's one famous clip where uh, Gene Gene the Dancing Machine, more about him in a minute, was on dancing away and the music was playing and JP Morgan flashes her boobs because she's really into the whole idea of all of this. So they had this afternoon um, presenter, but he was taking it too seriously. And in the end, there's lots of pictures and lots of people reminding um, Chuck Barris, who was producing it, chatting to him, saying, no, this is how we do it. And, said, and he's, the vein in his neck pulsing more and more. He was trying to convince him, this is the way we do it. So he was asked, why don't you just do it yourself? So he did. Now, throughout this bittersweet documentary, there's um, there's a bit about his daughter. And I remember his daughter, who was working, they, he divorced from his wife, and his daughter was away from him for a long for long periods of the year and with him only occasionally, but she came to live with him later on. And I remember her being on the gong show saying, and now to present my daddy. But she um, was involved in quite a lot of drugs, uh, even though he was rigidly non-drugs, no drugs in that production company. Quite hippie, quite open, kind of an early feel of, oh, well, when you're working at, I don't know, Facebook, Google, whatever, startup, you're going to have bean bags and we're going to have air hockey. It was a bit like that. You know, he, he had his guitar and people were around him and all of that, you know, started out as a, as a, a musician wanting to be in a band and all of that. But, um, his his um, his daughter was sliding into and trying to get out of um, a drug addiction, um, and eventually, and they they don't do this with any mawkishness in the documentary. They just mention this, and it's a sad situation. She committed suicide in '87. Could have been an overdose. There's people saying that one person actually committed suicide, another person immediately saying that was an overdose. So um, it's a terrible thing for for Chuck Barrison. Um, he says that. When he was doing the gong show, he was sort of having a, a midlife crisis on national TV. And in a way, he was. They pushed it too far. This is the 1970s, and you've got the Popsicle Twins, who are clearly young women, who are with two Popsicles, and you can guess what's going to happen. And guess what does happen? It's difficult to watch now, and they do show that in the documentary. Not appropriate at all. Um, and eventually... Oh, you've got Gene Gene, the dancing machine. It's my favourite bit. He was a guy who was um, who had a broom and was was hired to sweep up. Well, he didn't, he didn't come with a broom. It's not like you know you've got your broom so you can sweep up. He was given a broom, I presume, when he got the job. He was sweeping up backstage and Chuck remembers when, when the music was playing, he would be dancing a bit and shuffling around a bit. And he thought, you know, why don't we just get him on on stage to do that? And occasionally they'd bring him on and they'd have sections of five minutes where he would dance and everybody else would dance, including Chuck was would. He'd be doing more dance moves than than Gene Gene the Dancing Machine. He was a guy. He was a heavy set guy, um, and just really funny. Just a real love and a joy of the whole thing. Eventually, he called it it quits and made a Gong Show movie. He said in the middle of it, I thought 
actually, I don't want this to be a comedy movie. I want to make a, a statement. It didn't work out well. It was slated, and he his star sort of waned. He wrote his autobiography in which he made the claims about being a hitman. Uh, it, it was it sank without trace, and then it was picked up by George Clooney to make the movie. And that movie revitalised his career. He did readings of that um, of that book, and you know, I mean, he sold his business um, for a lot of millions of dollars in the late eighties, and. Um, the Gong Show was revived a bit. I remember it being revived. It wasn't a massive success, you know. Um, he uh, he, he um, published a, a memoir of his daughter in 20, 2010. Um, and, you know, he, I suppose, was vindicated. He he passed in, uh, in 2017. He was diagnosed with lung cancer in the 90s. Um, but, you know, he... He was vindicated. His work was vindicated. And he's the, his interest in the gong show, you know, with reality TV, putting the, the, the basis on people and the newlywed game and all of that was, um, was stuff that we see over and over now. He's the beginning of all that. Whether good or bad, he's the beginning of all that. And I happen to think with the gong show, good rather than bad. Great, great documentary. And... Uh, it's on YouTube and really good to see. And if you haven't read the book, then do do uh, read that book because you know Confessions of a Dangerous Mind is interesting and has that huge claim. Um, I said it was three hundred people. It's actually thirty people. Um, I rewatched it and <laughs> I had to make that comment. But he claims in the book that he he, he killed thirty three people. Now. Gentleman makes the claim that he's seen most him do most of those. I suspect that's not the case. I don't know, but it's interesting to it's interesting to um, to see, isn't it? There's a book, another book out there called Bad, Bad Grass Never Dies from 2004. I think I'm going to have to read that. In the meantime, I need to see some Gene Gene the Dancing Machine. You'll never look back. Ta ta.